decisions that you are making, and that's my uh, hope. So uh, this is part three of Miracle Matters. We're looking at the uh, whole question, and can I say again, thank you for those who have uh, uh, written to me or said things. We actually got a uh, text this week from someone who we were in church with, the part of the church we're in, the New Life Church over in India uh, many years ago, and they live in London now, and so they sent us a text saying we watch pastors. So Lara, wherever you are, come on, just say hi to Lara over there in London who watches the messages. You just never know where, 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 where you're going to meet people who watch them. I was at Staglands yesterday on my, uh, on my Harley. I was just putting my mask over my head as I do to, uh, not for COVID, but I was just putting the mask over my head as I uh, get ready to ride. And then I heard, hello, Pastor Adam. So I quickly put out the cigarette and then I just, no, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't. And they're like, hello, Pastor Adam. And it was someone from church who was looking at that. That's just gone online forever now. <laughs> someone will cut that out and say, see, I told you these Pentecostals. Come on. But they're, 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 they're like, Pastor Adam, thank you so much for the messages that you're doing. It's really, uh, really helped us. And, and they've been watching it online, which I thought was, was pretty cool. So you don't know when you go, when or where you are going to uh, meet people. But we're looking at that whole thing. Are miracles for today? Are the gifts for today. Does God still do miracles today? And as Pentecostals, of course, many of you will go, of course he does. But as we've discovered, there are those who would say no to that question. And uh, for me, it's important for us as uh, uh, believers that you should know not just what you believe, but why you believe it. And again, someday you might need a miracle, not today, but, but maybe tomorrow, not tomorrow, but maybe next year. I don't know. So it's important that we understand uh, this whole thing. I've said there are basically two camps in uh, Christendom and on whether gifts and healing, prophecy, miracles, etc. cetera, uh, for today. Camp one says basically miracles cease with the death of the apostles and are no longer necessary as we have the perfect and complete canon of Scripture, the complete Word of God in its entirety. Because remember, what they're saying is that the miracles, the signs and wonders used to accompany the preaching of the Word. Because the Bible wasn't, the New Testament wasn't finished. So the signs and wonders were there to accompany the preaching of the Word. And once we had the New Testament in its entirety, there was no need for the signs to accompany because we now have the complete and perfect Word of God. No need for them any further. So those holding to that view were generally known as cessationists. Camp 2 says the gifts are for today, miracles are for today. They never cease with the apostles, and they can and do happen today. In other words, they're normative, and that's the continuous position, and it is into that camp that I fall. And I want to tell you, as a Pentecostal church, it is in that camp that we fall. It is in that camp. We are a Pentecostal church, and that is the camp. I'm not just saying, well, you do whatever you feel or whatever. No, no. As a church, that is our position. Okay, I'm just saying that. Turn to the person next to you, okay, and say, he was a bit strong there. Come on, so I just, I'm just, I'm just saying it. We are a Pentecostal church. That is, the, that, that is, that, that is who, we, who we are. But uh, uh, again, now, what is true or false can only be established in the light of what scriptures say and teach. That's it. That's it. Not experience, whatever, only in the light of what the scriptures say and teach. But as we've said, it's not always easy. It's not as simple as it sounds because both camps, one and two, will say this is what the Bible teaches. For example, let me show you what I mean. Camp one, cessationists would use scriptures like 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 through 10. 
Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. It's like, oh, there it is. Ooh. They will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And they will say, there it is. It's clear they have ceased. And I just want to say, not really. Not really. And this is a scripture that is not used actually by cessationists too much today. And there is a reason for that. Because when Camp 2 looks at it, we see things a little bit differently. For a start, if one has a quick reading of the, the, the context around the scripture, one quickly realizes that this is talking about the importance of love. In fact, this is the chapter we use at almost every single wedding. I mean, I've done a lot of weddings, and we always go to the love chapter, right? This is the love chapter, and it starts, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong, a clang cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And then it goes on to say, love is patient, love is kind, love is, you know, love is, love is, love is. Great scripture for weddings. And so this is talking about this passage. Just by a quick reading, you can see. This is talking about the importance of love rather than trying to make a doctrinal statement about the thing that gifts have ceased. Uh, of course, the passage I read itself says, uh, where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Well, clearly, knowledge has not passed away. Now, it does say, it does say where the prophecy will cease. When is that? Well, when Jesus comes, come on. When Jesus comes, it's not talking about, uh, again, from that Camp 2's opinion, it's not talking about when the New Testament canon is coming together. It's talking about when Jesus comes. We know in part. It's like looking in a mirror. We can't, we, we, we can't see. It is when Jesus returns. Any people believe Jesus is going to return? Come on, someday. Amen. So clearly knowledge has passed away. So if it is, has not, if that has not passed away, if that has not stopped, well, then when we look at it, we can say also, well, the gifts that are mentioned with it in the same passage, in the same chap chapter, I can only conclude that they have not ceased yet either. And again, the context, the context of the, uh, of the chapters, both 12, 13, and 14, if you carry on reading to the next chapter, chapter 14, it clearly flows on from that, if you're uh, new to the Bible, just you, uh, or you've been around the Bible for a while, you'll know that the Bible is not written chapter and verse. That's something that has been put in to help us find scriptures. But Corinthians was a letter; it's an epistle. It was written. It flows on one thing uh, to the uh, to another, and so this is just really a letter. And so look how chapter 14 carries on, and it clearly flows from this. Follow the way of love. Follow the way of love. In chapter 13, love's the most important thing. Follow the way of love. And then it says this, and then eagerly desire gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, hang on, I thought we were knocking those on the head. Hang on, I thought we we're, we're stopping them. Here it is saying, eagerly follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And then it says, for anyone. And again, you look for repeated words in um, uh, uh, scriptures when you're studying it. Look for, for lists of things. But here's a, here's a word that's repeated a few times or a theme that's coming up. For anyone 
who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. And now he's talking about the order, the way things should be. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone, there it is again. It's not just for special people or whatever. It's anyone, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. And then it says, I would like every one of you, every one of you to speak in tongues. But I would rather you prophesy. I'd rather every one of you Prophesy. It's not saying that you will prophesy. It's not say, uh, saying that uh, everyone can do it or whatever, but that's Paul's heart. His, his desire is that, that I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. And so like I say, in both camps, one and two, will say, this is what the Bible teaches. So it's not always as simple as it sounds. So there's plenty of debate out there. And if you uh, missed the previous weeks, it's uh, online. You can go and watch that. So I said uh, last week that I just want to look at three things as we wrap up this series uh, today. The first thing I want to look at is what about those who have a healing ministry today yet wear glasses? What about it? Uh, E.g. they have their own health issues, but they, why can't they just heal, them, heal, them, heal themselves and sort themselves out? Number two, uh, can we really trample on snakes and scorpions, as Jesus said, and nothing will harm us? And if we have time, number three, some do's and don'ts around praying for people for healing. So number one, let's look at number one. Why do healers wear glasses? Why do those people who have a healing ministry wear glasses? And I really, I'm saying that you might think it's an odd question, but it is a, a, a if you like, a sarcastic poke in the eye from those who would say miracles, etc., are not for today. It's something they say. It would be something they use uh, as an argument. Why, why can't they just lay hands on themselves? The inference being, you can pray for healing for others, but you cannot heal thyself. But hey, the only question we need to ask here is, in this is, does or is there New Testament evidence to attest to the fact that those in whom the gifts were in operation had themselves issues and other afflictions that were a burden to them. Do, again, I'll say that again because this is the issue. Is there in the New Testament evidence to attest the fact that those in whom the gifts were in operation had themselves health issues and other afflictions that were a burden to them, just like today? And the answer is yes. And let me give you three. Why three? Because out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter is established. Number one, uh, Timothy. We uh, look at uh, that. And Timothy was someone who Paul laid hands on and told him to fan into flame the, uh, flame the gifts of God that are within him. And so First Timothy 5.23, here's what Paul said to Timothy. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Right there, we can see one instance. Second instance. Now here's what was said about the Apostle Paul himself in Acts 19 verse 11. It said, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, 
and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. So we can see that he was doing amazing signs and wonders, amazing miracles, yet Paul himself had some troubles. He had some afflictions, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times, three times. What's wrong, Paul? Three times you had to pray. Couldn't you just pray once? Three times. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. You ever pray for something and it just, it just it hasn't changed? It's, it's something you think, oh, man, because you've got to remember sometimes no is an answer. Amen. And so he pleaded. He, he cried out to God three times. I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What was the thorn? Well, many scholars have debated over many years. People don't know. Some will say, well, it's a messenger of Satan. It's about what form did that shape take? What, what, what was that? How was the outworking of that? The, the reality is no one knows. Scholars have debated it for years, and I guess we'll debate it for years to come. It could be a physical affliction. It could be a mental affliction. But the point is, he had an affliction that remained, yet at the same time, he did incredible miracles. A third instance, Paul again. Galatians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Paul, speaking to the Galatians, he said, As you know, it was because of an illness. Uh, the King James uses the word infirmity. The Greek word uh, that's used there means feebleness of body and mind. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you, even though my illness was a trial to you. So that means it wasn't something that was just over. It wasn't a cough or a cold. It was, it was a trial. It was an ongoing sort of thing. It was, it was quite an issue for the guys there. That I first preached the gospel to you, and even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. You remember also Hebrews have a, again, this is written to the, the Greeks, but Hebrews have quite a thing about uh, uh, sickness and, uh, you know, who can come into the temple and all that, that, kind, of, that kind of thing. So it was a, it's a big kind of deal. But he says, you didn't treat me with contempt or scorn, and I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So that's led to somebody uh, or some people saying, well, maybe he had eye problems. Perhaps he needed glasses. I don't know, but, uh, but perhaps he needed glasses. But again, we can look at this and go, the man of God did miracles in Jesus' name, yet he was sick. He could be ill at the same time. And so for me, you can reasonably conclude from these scriptures that it is possible to have a condition yourself and at the same time see the Spirit of God heal others. For me, that, I read that and I see that. So maybe that's why people involved in healing ministry can have glasses. But like I say, it's never as simple as that. Because Camp One can use those same scriptures as well. They can use those same scriptures and go, see, that proves that the gifts had ceased. That's why he couldn't be healed. That's why he couldn't do it. Miracles were ceasing. They were winding up. They were coming to an end. And it's like, oh. But then Camp Two will say, but why would that be true? Because they did not have the New Testament. If the New Testament canon was the thing that they were, were saying, when that is complete... When, that, when we have that, that's when miracles will cease. But, but here's, the, 
Here's the thing, if they're saying it's starting to, to end there, how can they say that? It's another 120 years before they even had the, the uh, if you like, the, the books and the letters and in a place where they could see them together and go, right, right, now let's decide what the canon of the New Testament is going to be. It was 120 years. Don't you think that's a bit of an early start if you're trying to cease things or stop things? It's 120 years. So for me, I'm back to, so we can reasonably conclude from these scriptures that it is possible to have a condition yourself and at the same time see the Spirit of God heal others. And so, again, maybe that's why people involved in healing ministry can have glasses. And that, to me, is a more reasonable explanation. Second question, number two. Can we really trample on snakes and scorpions and nothing will harm us? Remember last week in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72 unnamed. We don't know who they were. They weren't necessarily important enough that they had to be named. Maybe they're just normal people like you and I. And he sends out these unnamed people, gives them authority to heal diseases and sickness and so on. And he sends them out to the highways and the byways to heal the sick. The 72, they saw God do miraculous things. And when they came back to give Jesus a report about what's going on, they were pumped, they were excited because they'd seen some amazing things happen. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing will harm you. Let's ask the question, can we trample on snakes and scorpions? Now, my first warning is, don't try that at home. Now, I can, of course, here we don't, we, we don't have snakes and uh, scorpions. And I, I remember when the pastors came from India, Pastor Shantakumar and uh, different other pastors, I, I would take them up into the Mangatoks. And I know, because every time you walk in the jungle in India, you're always like, be very careful. <laughs> so I took them up, we're walking through the jungle, and I know they're probably thinking, oh my goodness, we have to be very careful. So it was a while I let them off and said, hey, we've got no snakes and stuff here. But in places like India, even in Anita's house back home, we really can say, don't try this at home. We've seen snakes. We've, I've got a picture of Grace with, a, I think it's a cobra skin, and it's taller than her. She's holding, holding it up where it's gone through a hedge. We have snakes, scorpions, all those kind of things. We have seen those. I remember riding my motorcycle on a, on a road one day and going, oh, someone's put a hose across the road until the hose went shh and continued. It was, on the, it was as wide as the road. So you see those. You, 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 it's, it's just part of the Indian um, experience. But, 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 but can we trample on snakes and scorpions and nothing will harm us? Do we... Do we or should we take this literally? And I, I ask that question because, believe it or not, there are a few people who, who do actually uh, take that literally. And for your, uh, for your watching pleasure, I mean, it doesn't take much. Go on to YouTube and Google Snake Church, and um, you will find a church in Kentucky. Uh, aren't you glad Kentucky's a long way away? Come on, somebody. I mean, a church in Kentucky, Snake Church. And there's a few of them that are declining membership. 
<laughs> it's not the type of thing I'd want to send my kids to children. Look at Bobby the scorpion today. And I was like, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. But, but there's a video. There it is. You can go and watch it um, on YouTube. And, uh, uh, you know, the pastor, he's talking. It's 12 minutes long, the one I saw. I'm sure there's more. But the pastor's like, people might watch this and go, we're crazy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but they say, but this is Bible. This is Bible. And I'm just like, no, it's stupid. Come on. <laughs> Some of you are not sure. Some of you are going, no, this is Bible. <laughs> no, it's just stupid. See, well, Jesus said nothing will harm you. No. We got to take him at his word. Amen. <laughs> but here's the thing. Jesus also said this in Matthew 5, 29, verses 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. He said, if your right hand causes you to sin, chop it off. Can I have a show of hands? Oh, no, sorry, we can't do that. <laughs> they go, oh, that's all right. You're like, oh. <laughs> just awkward. <laughs> Listen, no one with half a brain takes that literally. It's hyperbole, right? It's, it's, it's just he's trying to express a, 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 a point. He's try, trying to help us understand something of the seriousness of sin and our relationship towards it. And here's the thing, when you read stuff like that, because there are people where nothing's going to harm us, and then you have a bad day. Listen, if you have a Christianity where, nothing's, when, where you think nothing's, if you've given your life to Jesus and you think nothing's going to go wrong, you're going to be disappointed. I, I know that because I've seen people come to Christ and, and go, man, uh, you know, everything's going my way. One day it won't. I'm just telling you, just one day, you're going to think all the Christians are so nice until someone upsets you or says something. I thought it was my brother. Someone walks out during your sermon, something like that goes, <laughs> goes on. Oh, it's my son-in-law. Listen I, listen, I tell you, we, 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 the rain that falls on the sinner also falls on the righteous. We, if you've ever Christianity where you think nothing's going to go wrong, if you think that's what Jesus, you cannot build a teaching from one scripture. You just can't. Should we take it literally what Jesus said? Nothing will harm you? No. Jesus also said in John 16, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. Name it and claim it. No. In this world, you have trouble. There's going to be things that happen. There won't be fear. There won't be nice. Or there won't be stuff's going to happen. Everybody say balance. balance. Just, just be balanced when you read this. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be crazy. Don't be weird. <laughs> See, you don't have to look. Listen, church. You don't have to look too hard for trouble. Some of you know that even this week, <laughs> you know, some trouble came your way. You don't have to look too hard for trouble. Even in the Bible, just, just look at church history. Look at church history to see as Christians, we are not immune from pain or suffering or harm. Just read Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, read the whole Whole chapter, some serious harm right there. I'm not going to read it out because it will spoil your lunch. But read it. Some serious harm there. And here's the thing. Of course, we'd like to always speak about nice scriptures that, that will go, yes. But 
there's some difficult scriptures too. I mean, we love this, right? Uh, Romans 8 verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs. Come on, somebody say amen. We are heirs. Some of you are not too sure. No, it's a trick question. And we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ or with Christ. That's where people stop saying, yes, I'm an heir of God. I'm a son and daughter of the living God. But we forget the if. Because there's an if after that. Most stop there. It says you'll be co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in all the good things that are going. No, no. If indeed we share in his what? Sufferings. In order that we may also share in his glory. In the Christian life, there will be pain. In the Christian life, there will be struggles. There will be battles. If you think that no harm will come to us. I, I, Christ was crucified. Think about the very Savior of our Jesus. I mean, he was crucified. What about the disciples? They were, they were martyred. You can't take a couple of scriptures and build a teaching from it. Everybody say balance. balance. Now, it's not to say that God can't protect us, of course. It's not to say that God does sometimes in some ways protect us. I don't know. The Bible also says no weapon formed against us will prosper. The head and not the tail, above and not beneath, so the Bible says. So, so, so there is a possibility he's God, that he could protect us and move and Certain ways to, uh, to do that. I mean, Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Malta and he was bitten by a snake, right? He's going to uh, get some firewood. He goes in there. A viper comes out, bites him on the hand, hangs onto his hand. All the islanders who were there, who because it was a shipwreck, all the people who had rescued them saw what had happened right there to Paul. The viper was on it. They're the islanders. They know what snake that was. And so they're like, oh, he escaped, he survived the shipwreck, but now God's justice is coming upon him and he hasn't escaped the, the punishment for his sin. And so the snake bites him and they were expecting him to basically swell up and drop dead. And so they're sitting there around the fire, watching, waiting for Paul to drop dead. But he didn't. He didn't drop dead. And after a while where they're like, he should have been dead, they said, oh no, this man is a god. Weird. But the fact is, did God protect? I don't know. There's lots of other things you could say uh, uh, around that past. But he was bitten by a snake. Didn't test the Lord. And he don't go around, come on, come on. Because that's a, in the snake church, you watch the 12 minute, he's going, oh, Lord, come on. And Darren doing his thing right there. And then the rattlesnake bites him on the head. <laughs> How many know that ain't smart? And so he just carries on preaching. Rattlesnake blood's coming down his face. He's preaching until he can't preach no more, which wasn't very long afterwards as he started to feel extremely sick. God can protect us. I mean, I mean snakes are scary things. There's no doubt about it. Snakes are scary, uh, scary thing. Mason knows. We're with, well, I was with Mason in India and we're in the bush. I, I was going to show the video, but you can't actually see the, the snake, we could see it, was in the bush. We made like a Steve Irwin. Oh, the snake is there. Oh, he's there. He's in there. But you can't, you can't actually see it. So we'd just seen the snake. It was going through the trees. I'm like, look, look, look. There it is, creeping. 
And then we're, we're on this cliff. This is just a few moments because we're taking a walk to this cliff. Like it's an amazing view in a place called Panchgani. And we're looking, uh, looking over. And May, Mason's filming. I got this on video too. But May, Mason's, Mason's filming and he's there. But there's a long piece of grass just there. So we've just seen the snake. Mason's there filming on the edge of a cliff. And a piece of grass touches the back. I tell you, he could have won the Olympic gold medal for high, uh, high jump as he shot up into the air. Not off the cliff. He's still here. It was a miracle. Come on, I said, I believe I can fly. I mean, he was just, no, we don't. But, I, but, but again, it, it can be scary. I told you about uh, Anita, last week, where I was, I was, I was going to scare her. She was coming out of our, the Bible college that we were a part of, and as she came out uh, of that, I thought, I'll run into the jungle bit there and, and hide and jump out and go, boo. But the thing is, I got the, the fright. And so as I ran into the bu- bush, I heard, I looked down, I heard, and then I could see. I want to tell you, I definitely said some thank you, Jesus, right there, right there. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lord. Now, I don't know what happened. If I trampled on it, I think it might have done. I, who knows? But did God protect me? Well, I don't know, but I'll, I'm, I'm just saying thank you, Jesus, anyway, because it didn't bite me because it was a big snake. And Anita laughed all the way back. Snakes are scary. Balance, people. Balance. Everybody say balance. balance. Don't be weird. Be balanced. And last but not least, do's and don'ts. Let me start by saying this. Do pray for people. Again, if we're going to believe that God will touch people's lives, and if we don't pray for anybody, then... So do pray. Do pray. I want to encourage you to pray. Someone says they're sick. Just say, hey, let, let me stop them. I saw, saw someone doing that before out in the floor. Obviously, someone had told them about something that they're going through. They said, hey, let me pray for you. Sometimes, can I just encourage you? Don't have big, long talks with people. People start telling you uh, uh, their, their thing. And, and you go, you listen, and you start, you start doing that conversation. Should we pray? And I just stop. Hey, can I just take a moment right now and pray? Yeah, that's right. Don't. Don't also just go, hey, can I just take you to the pastor? Do you know that you can pray for people too? Turn to the person next to you and go, even you. You, you can pray for people too. So do pray. Do pray for people. Don't delay it. Now, I've shared in my part one of Miracle Matters that I have seen and experienced miracles. I can't deny it. And I certainly believe the gifts are for today. In fact, one of the sources I used in preparing this teaching was someone who was a cessationist who, who changed. Through, and the reason he changed was he, he, he witnessed a miracle, which you could not deny. There's a guy named Jack Deere. He was a theological professor at a, um, a university in, in uh Bible College in, in Texas. I can't remember the exact one, but I could, I could get that information from. It's easy to Google. But as a professor, he went, as a cessationist, he was like, I'm going to go and disprove these miracle things. I'm going to go to some miracle meetings, watch them, see them. And 
you know, exposed them as fake. And so he went to a meeting and where there was a well-known guy there who was, a, I guess, a healing evangelist, if you want to call it, call it that. And he was sitting in the balcony and he's looking across. And then the person who's leading the meeting was a guy named John Wimber. He suddenly stops praying for the person he's praying for. And he, he, he said, there's somebody here with, you know, out in the audience. He's like, there's, there's somebody here and you've got such and such condition and whatever. And, and you, come forward, God wants to heal you. Goes on and he goes back to the thing. This, this, this professor's watching this going, oh yeah, this is interesting. And after a while, he stops again and says, look, I, I think your name's Margaret. Margaret. Margaret, come on, just come down. Come down, God wants to heal you. Come on, Margaret, wherever you are, come down. And then this lady gets up and starts walking towards the front. Gets up to the front, powerfully touched by God, healed. Healed then and there. And so this professor's watching this guy, man, this is amazing. It's incredible. But then he suddenly got angry because then he suddenly thought, no, 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 no. Maybe she's Margaret in Tucson. And then she's Betty in Oklahoma. Maybe she'll be Barbara tomorrow night, walking out, getting in the meeting, and this is all planned and this is all, all organized. But then he looked to the guy who was with him, one of the guys who was from his church that he had brought along. Also, he brought some other sort of scholarly fellows to do it. And the, the guy sitting next to him with a tear rolling down his face is going, that is my Auntie Margaret. And she's had this condition. I don't know what the condition was. For X amount of years. I can't believe God's just healed her. But he did. From that day, his life changed. So God can do miracles, but I also have to give a caution. Miracles are exactly that. Miracles. They are not common. And I also want to say there is no formula to guarantee your miracle. Just do these five steps and you'll get your miracle. Do these five things. There are principles you can apply, like the James 5 principle. We talked about it. Anoint with all, call the elders of the church. Get them to pray for you. Those are principles. But it's not a formula. We're not doing magic. There's no formula. And I just want to, I say that because as Pentecostals, we, we, we can be in danger of turning everything into a formula. Just do these five things and you'll, you'll get it like, like if you just do this, this will happen. Do that and you'll get this. Don't do that. Because one of the things that, and this is a don't, one of the things I've sadly seen people do, Pentecostal people do, is that when somebody doesn't get healed, they'll say this to them, well, maybe you just didn't have enough faith. Maybe you just didn't have enough faith. Like God was wanting to do it, but you just didn't reach the faith threshold. That drives me insane. Don't do that. In Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus said this, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it's tiny. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. 
When you turn things into formulas, it's like if you had just prayed five more times, if you had just said that prayer one more time, if you had just fasted just 10 minutes longer, I mean, God was up there in heaven. He was waiting. He was just about to move, and then you stopped. It's, it's your fault. Don't do that. Can I say this? Here's why. First of all, we don't have to stick up for God. He doesn't need you to make excuses for why something didn't happen. Don't do it. Listen, just come back to the fact Jesus didn't heal everybody. He didn't. Why are some people not healed? I don't know. Why does God choose to heal some and not others? I don't know. I don't know. But I know if I don't pray for people, then I'm less likely to see that. Why does he do it? I don't know. In the book of Acts, we read of a miracle of a lame man healed. Acts chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day, everybody say every day, every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him, because they knew him, they knew him, they knew who he was. When all the people saw him walking, praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is an incredible story. But there is another side to this that we don't often see. It says this man was crippled from birth. It also says he was placed at the gate called Beautiful every day. Everyone knew who he was. But here's the thing that blows my mind. Jesus would have seen this man. Jesus would have seen this man. Jesus would have passed him by as he went into the temple courts on more than one occasion. I thought about that. Yet he did not heal him. But have walked past him, didn't heal him. Why? I don't know. And I don't know why today some people do or don't get healed. Because here's the thing, such things ultimately are in the hands of God and not men. But what I do know from what Jesus has said is that miracles, signs, and wonders, gifts, and healings are not and should never be the focus. They should not or never be or become the main thing. The most important thing is knowing Him. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, listen, friends, I want to tell you, if you're more, you need to be more interested in the gift giver than the gift itself. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Do you know him today? 
That's the most important things. If we delight more in the gift than the gift giver, we have missed the boat. Do you know him today? If you died today, where would you spend eternity? I want to tell you, it's so real to me this week. I've been to two funerals this week. One, a 43-year-old pastor who went to sleep last Monday and didn't wake up. 43 years old, three kids. Went to his funeral in Auckland and heard his life, their lives have turned around, just changed, just like, listen, no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows. We also said goodbye to Roy, who was part of the 8 a.m. service, 97 years old. Who passed away. Pastor Saki in Auckland went to sleep. and In fact, the last time I, I met him was at Pastor Coco's funeral in Fiji. At the graveside as we were lowering Pastor Coco into the, into the ground. And Pastor Saki came up with his big smile and he said, Do you know me? Being the leader of New Life, he's like, Do you know me? It's Pastor Saki here. I said, Saki, I, I know you. This week, he's gone to be with Jesus. I wonder if that same big Fijian smile, do you know me? Do you know me, Lord? Do you know me? To know him is the most important thing. Do you know him here today? You know, preachers sometimes will say things like this. Give your life to Jesus because you don't know when your life will end. All the days are written in his book. But when those days run out, we don't know. Listen, the, the stats are 100%. All will die. Everyone, we can't avoid it. Everyone Jesus prayed for died. You can't escape it. Do you know him? I've heard preachers say sometimes, make a decision today because you don't know what could happen. You could walk out of here today and be hit by a car and be killed. You can say, well, that's a bit dramatic. Well, it just happened a couple of weeks ago in our New Life Masterton Church. Look it up. It's in the Herald. A woman hit by a pedestrian, hit by a car, came to an altar call, got right the stuff she needed to get right. Been coming to church for years, but, but had stuff and was carrying stuff. And she, on that Sunday, she laid it at the altar. Left church and went out of church. And by that afternoon, she was hit by a car. She died that night. Do you know him? Do you know him? That is the most important thing. Don't leave today without saying, God, I submit myself to you. Don't leave today without saying like the Apostle Thomas, my Lord and my God, I give my life to you. It's time to seek his face and not just his hand. Not just for what God can do for me but because of who he is. Do you know him? Do you know him? This is the most important thing. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you know him today? Are you in need of redemption today? Have you given your life fully to him? Have you turned from your sin and turned towards God? 
let me pray with you. Bow every head in this place. And Lord, we come to you today knowing no matter how many gifts we have or things we can do for you, none of that matters ultimately. But we want you to know us. We know that we can't impress you with what we've done or how good we are or how amazing we are at this thing or that thing, but we, we want to know you today. So on behalf of Connect, all of us as a church, we come to you today and just say, God, we submit our lives to you afresh. We say today, God, be our Lord and our God. Lord, we thank you that you made a way where there seemed to be no way, that we can do nothing to earn it, buy it, get hold of it. There's no good thing in us. For we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that. And so today we give our life. We submit to your Lordship. Today. We turn from our wicked ways and turn towards God. That we might walk with you. And hear you. And live for you. Lord, you died for us. And today we say we'll live for you. And if you agree with that, just say amen. 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 Can we stand and give the King of Kings a clap offering? He's worthy. Put your hands out like this. Let me pronounce a blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Amen.